Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. The old adage in metals still holds true. You get China right and you go a long way to getting metal markets right. And that means focusing on two particular areas. China policy and China property. Let's start with the first one, China policy. Make no mistake, China is at a tricky economic juncture. And just a quick scan of the August statistics published this week are testament to that. Retail sales have decelerated quickly. China just can't get the consumer going. And at the same time, industrial production is also trending lower at 5.3% year on year. Now, the industrial decline was expected given the high base and the slowing fixed asset investment impulse we've seen in recent months. With the consumer not stepping up, however, and if we think about the widespread logistical issues that are starting to hurt global trade, even if Chinese exports thus far have been surprisingly strong, well, the Chinese economy is undoubtedly slowing faster than Beijing expected. Usually, this would see a credit response, increased lending to the sharp end of the economy, just to give it a jolt. And I'd argue that positioning in Chinese commodity markets at the moment still shows some optimism that this will happen again. However, there is one big problem. Power, and by extension, coal. This is already a huge bottleneck to China's industrial economy. And that's a big part of the, the reason why China's PPI is running at almost plus 10% year on year. Thus, I would say credit loosening is set to be delayed until the power system has some breathing space and you're not running into these inflationary bottlenecks. And partly, that will involve some curtailment of heavy power consumers, such as metals producers. The process itself might take several more months, but we would expect some easing of credit towards year-end, which will support perhaps metals demand and metals sentiment in early 2022. We'd also note that China will be keen to ensure this power bottleneck does not happen again and you should expect to see a build of coal reserves, offshoring of power consuming industries and perhaps even an increased residential household power tariff. Bear in mind, household electricity consumption in China is up 12% year on year in August versus industry itself roughly flat and that's been needed to prevent wastage. A thousand RMB per tonne thermal coal prices in China, well we may never see them again. Switching now to China property, and over the past couple of weeks, this has become an increasing area of concern as the Evergrande situation deteriorates. So is China's second largest property developer too big to fail? No, and Beijing clearly has a plan to manage its liquidity crisis. Is it too big to fail without some second order implications and some contagion, given that it has its tentacles in many markets? Well, that's definitely a possibility. I'd expect other property developers to be cognizant of the potential implications of this in terms of future government policy, they will be in the spotlight and thus they'll be looking to reduce leverage in the near term, which is likely to involve slowing new starts, which would weigh on sentiment, I would say, towards metals demand in that Chinese market. And should the property fears rise, we might expect copper to underperform over the coming months. Property is still the single biggest metals in consuming sector in the global economy and a slowdown here would be a major headwind. How does it play out? Well, there is likely to be more state-sponsored housing in Chinese built in China into next year. Partly that's prevent construction sector unemployment. If nothing else, it also plays into the shared prosperity mandate. But this is a sector where if we look at maintaining existing demand, that looks to be the best case rather than driving new growth. 
Now, one metal which is doing extremely well is aluminium, with prices moving back above $3,000 a tonne. Why has this happened? Well, firstly, demand is strong in a number of key areas and across all regions. 2021 is likely to be the second largest year in history for absolute demand growth. And then secondly, supply has been restricted by the Chinese power-related cuts I alluded to earlier. Current Chinese output is running about 2.5 million tonnes per annum, so about 8-10% to lower than seen earlier in the year. Uh, the past week alone we've seen extended curtailments in Yunnan and Shaanxi provinces, and this has left China extremely low on available inventory. And while there is material held in LME warehouses, the systemic problems that are creating a 200 plus day queue to get material out of Port Klang in Malaysia mean the majority of this is not available to the market in an appropriate timescale. The inventory is there, it's visible, but it's not available. We do expect new China Annex capacity additions to be put into this market, but not for another couple of years in terms of commissioning. And until then, the cash flow generated by aluminium producers is likely to be put to work in reducing related carbon emissions. Meanwhile, the recent military coup in Guinea has added some potential raw material constraints spice into the mix. Guinea is responsible for almost a quarter of the bauxite mine globally, and the ability of Chinese buyers to maintain access to this material marks a major test of China's overseas raw material self-sufficiency push. How does this play out? Well, short term, we see alumina price gains as Chinese smelters hedge against the Guinean supply risk. Longer term, we'd expect the delivered costs of bauxite into China to rise, with pressure on the Chinese-owned Guinean assets to install better methods of managing the environmental risk from mine residue, and also to invest more in local communities. This will be to the benefit of other bauxite producers in the market. Lastly, I want to deal with a question which has been posed a lot over the past few weeks. Why have iron ore and metallurgical coal prices moved in different directions given their same shared end use in blast furnace output? Just a few months ago, remember, iron ore was trading at 50% premium to met coal on a delivered China basis, while now met coal is trading about four times the iron ore price. And the latest uh, MBS stats in China show crude steel production dropped up at 12% year-on-year to 980 million tonnes per annum in August. This is the first time annualised monthly output has fallen below a billion tonnes per annum since March 2020 and is almost 20% lower than the peak seen in April this year, hence the pressure on raw material markets. However, when you're cutting blast furnace output, the volume of iron naturally falls proportionally, but steel mills do tend to flex on the coke side. They tend to up the volume of coke used, while cutting PCI injection, and thus there is less coking coal demand impact. The coke plant itself is exothermic, and the off-gas fuels a lot of other items, such as the reheating furnaces in a steel mill, hence why it will always be prioritised. That's really marginal though, the main difference at the moment is supply. Chinese domestic iron ore output is at the highest in a number of years, and decent seaborne availability means steel mills have no concern about availability. For coking coal, domestic Chinese output is flat to falling, particularly for low sulphur material. And the planned increase in Mongolian supply this year has been sidelined by COVID-related border closures. This is the first China-led Met Coal price rally that I can remember. It is unsustainable in through-cycle terms, but just as seen in a number of other commodities, it may take a while to get the supply chain replenished. And until then, there will be a risk premium in this market. Thank you once more for listening. As always, we are happy to discuss any questions you have about metals markets. Please do just get in touch directly and join me again to discuss more pertinent issues for the global industry in the next Metal Matters podcast. 
Also, please do join me for the 5th Annual BMO LMA Week Research Seminar, which is being held virtually at 9.30am Eastern or 2.30pm UK on Tuesday, October the 12th, which will cover our views into 2022 and with the special bonus of our presentation by Trafigura. Thanks for listening to Into, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Intune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. Access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure.